Let's just quieten our hearts before the Lord just in a moment before we look at God's Word. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, often there can be so many things happening in our lives, so many things happening in our own situations, in our family life, in our working life. Perhaps we find it hard just to still ourselves and to focus upon You. But we ask this morning, Lord God, as we gather around Your Word, that You might be with us, that You would give us Your understanding and Your help, and that You might move through Your Holy Spirit. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now, over the last few weeks following Easter Sunday, we have been looking at the aftermath of the death and resurrection of Jesus. On Easter Sunday in the evening, it says that Jesus stood in the midst of the disciples, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And at this time, there must have been a lot of joy, mustn't there? Jesus crucified, dead, buried, and now alive, and standing in the midst of the disciples. But there was one disciple who, even though I'm sure was overjoyed, was also filled with regret. And that person was Simon Peter. You see, all the disciples had deserted Jesus and had been scattered, although some were clearly there when Jesus was crucified. But Peter had outright denied Jesus, just as Jesus had predicted that he would. Remember when Jesus was being led away to be tried? That three times Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And so here we have Peter with the other disciples on Easter Sunday, overjoyed about Jesus, but probably also filled with regret. You see, he was Peter. He was the rock Petros, the spokesman of the disciples so often, the one who had declared Jesus as the Messiah, the very Son of God. And yet he was the one who had denied Jesus. In Mark's version of the events in Mark's gospel, when the angel speaks to the woman at the empty tomb on the day of resurrection, the women are told to, to go and to tell the disciples and Peter. And so notice that, that Peter is set apart. Now, rather than this signifying that Peter was no longer part of the disciples, I think this is an act of grace, that the Lord knew how bad Peter was feeling about what had happened, and so wants to signal that, that Peter's still part of the disciples, really. You see, we don't know if Peter had shared with the other disciples about what had happened, how he had denied Jesus. Perhaps he had said to them, 
that he wasn't worthy to be a disciple anymore. Maybe he was just keeping that all inside and hadn't really said to anyone. But clearly it's eating away at him. And that's why today's passage is so important as Peter is reinstated. Now, the context of this passage this morning is that Jesus has appeared again. The third time he's appeared again in John's gospel to some of the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And Peter and some of the others have gone out fishing, perhaps signifying Peter going back to an old way of life. But they've been out all night, and they've caught nothing. And as they're bringing the boat back into shore, someone calls to them from the shore. They don't recognize who that person is. Perhaps it was misty. Perhaps it was just too far away. But someone calls to them from the shore and says to them to cast their nets over the right side. And as they cast their nets over the right side, they catch lots and lots of fish. It's recorded as 153 fish in John's gospel. And as they catch so many fish that they realize that this person on the shore is the Lord, that it is Jesus. And as soon as they realize this, what does Peter do? He, he jumps into the water. So desperate is he to see Jesus. And of course, the place where they are is really important in the context of this whole story, isn't it? Because where was Peter called by Jesus the first time round to follow him? It was the Sea of Galilee. And here they are again at the Sea of Galilee. And after they have brought all the fish on the shore, and Jesus already uh, started a fire, and they've, they've had breakfast. Notice that Jesus then takes the initiative with Peter. It's not Peter going to Jesus, it's Jesus coming to Peter. And Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What a question. You see, Jesus is really probing at Peter's heart, isn't he? He's asking Peter, what is your true love? Who is your, your first love? Is it me? Now, when Jesus asks this question, do you love me more than these? It's actually quite difficult to work out who are these. And there are three possibilities here, probably others, but three main possibilities. It may be when Jesus is saying these, it's, it's these other disciples. Do you love me more than these other disciples? It may be these fish. We presume there's fish all around the place, hinting at, at Peter's profession. Peter, do you love me more than your old way of life, your, your old profession? It may be that Jesus is saying to Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Do you love me more than these? I probably favor the latter, idea here, but whichever way it is, we understand the point, don't we? That Jesus is probing Peter's heart and asking him effectively, Peter, do you really want to follow me? Do you really trust me? Do you really love me? 
What's Peter's response? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, says Jesus. And Jesus asked this question, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Probably, of course, because Peter denied Jesus three times. And each time, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And by the third time, he's hurt. Probably because of memories of his denial. Oh, it was three times I denied Jesus. Now Jesus asked me three times whether I love him. Or possibly he's just hurt because Jesus keeps asking, do you not believe me the first time or the second time? And he's now asking me a third time, do I love you? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, says Peter. Now, a lot of ink has been spilled over the fact that seven times the word love is used in this passage. And two different Greek words are used, phileo and agape. And it used to be thought that that phileo was more a brotherly love. For example, you think of the city of Philadelphia, uh, which is the city of, literally means the city of brotherly love. And it was commonly thought that agape love was something that was, you know, a bit more elevated, a bit more uh, divine. And, and so in this passage, scholars have tried to work out uh, a pattern. It doesn't begin with Jesus asking about brotherly love and then going on to divine love. But throughout John's writings, John uses both terms, agape and phileo, interchangeably. And so it's likely there's, there's no pattern here. But what is important is that as Jesus probes Peter and his motivation and his heart, that Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. You see, despite what had gone on before, despite Peter denying Jesus, Peter truly loved Jesus. And as Jesus reinstates Peter, it's clear that Jesus knows this, doesn't he? And he commissions him, feed my sheep. And then he he tells Peter what's going to, to happen in the future to him. You see, it's all very well saying that we love Jesus. But there are consequences of loving Jesus. It will cost us to follow him and to forsake other things. And Jesus says to Peter here that when he was younger, he dressed himself, he went where he wanted to go, but when he's old, he will stretch out his hands, someone will dress him and lead him where he does not want to go. Now, stretching out his hands here is a reference to crucifixion. And it's commonly thought that about 30 years later, that's what Peter went through. Some reports would have it that that Peter was crucified upside down because he he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. But Jesus also hints at the other sacrifices that are needed to follow Jesus. You see, as John is writing this gospel and this story about Peter, it's also a story that speaks to us. It speaks to us about our motivations and about our priorities in life. At the Wednesday Fellowship, we have just begun looking at the Shorter Catechism, part of the Westminster Confession of Faith. 
And this last week, last Wednesday, we thought about the, the first question of the shorter catechism. What is the chief end of man, mankind? And the answer given is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And a pastor called Randall Greenwald makes this comment. The thing for which we live is our God, our chief and ultimate purpose. The only one that will not disappoint is to live for the glory of God. And in the end, to find our ultimate and complete enjoyment in Him. You see, Peter says that he loves Jesus. And his life will show that he truly loves Jesus. In his actions, he's going to display that he really does follow Jesus and love Him. And the same is true for us. If we truly love Jesus, then we will put our love into action in the way that we live out our lives to God's glory. You see, there is a cost to following God. But of course, it's worth it. It's more than worth it. For Peter, he loved Jesus more than he loved the disciples there, more than his fishing profession. He wanted to serve Jesus with all that he had. And as Jesus reinstates Peter, he also commissions him, follow me, follow me. You see, the same commission that Jesus had given Peter the first time at the Sea of Galilee is now given to Peter again to follow Jesus. And of course, it's something that we too are called to do. But at this point in the story, Peter does something that's very human, doesn't he? Because as Jesus is giving this commission to him, as Jesus is reinstating Peter, what does he do? Well, it's clear that the conversation between Jesus and Peter, they're almost started, they probably got up from breakfast and they're perhaps walking along. And as they're walking, Peter looks over his shoulder And he sees one of the other disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, following after them. And as Jesus gives the commission to Peter, Peter looks over his shoulder and says to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Now, Jesus' answer to Peter here is a little bit cryptic. But I think we can read between the lines because Jesus effectively says to Peter, Peter, that's none of your business. It doesn't matter about him. What's important, Peter, is that you follow me. That you follow me. And of course, there's a great lesson for us there too, isn't there? You see, we as individuals are called to follow Jesus, to love him and to serve him. We can't live and piggyback off our parents' faith, our grandparents' faith, anyone else's faith, our wife, our husband, our you know, children, grandchildren. We can't piggyback on anyone else's faith. We are called as individuals to follow Jesus. You see, so often we can be guilty of being so focused upon other people, upon 
other people's faith, that we lose sight of our own faith and what we ought to be doing. We forget that we need to remember our own individual walk and where we are with God, cultivating that relationship with God each and every day, not living on past glories, and making sure each and every day that we are following after Jesus. You see, right at the end of the gospel, John says that there is so much more that Jesus had done that we could be written about. What he had shared was so that those who read the gospel, who read John's gospel, might believe. And so at the very end of this gospel, John is posing us a question. He's saying, as you've read this gospel, as you've seen who Jesus is, as you've seen what's happened to Jesus, him crucified and then risen again on the third day. If you've looked at this gospel, if you've seen the evidence, if you have believed, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, crucified for our sin, but risen on the third day, if we profess that we love him, then he calls us to follow him, however hard that might be and whatever we might face. You see, Peter had let Jesus down, but he did love Jesus. He wanted to serve him, and Jesus forgives him, and he restores him. And for us too, there are times in our lives when we have denied Jesus. Maybe we've not verbalized it in that way, but we've denied Jesus and how we've lived out our lives, how we've treated other people the contempt that we have shown to other people, perhaps. For us too, there are times when we've denied Jesus, times in our life when we've let Jesus down. But those times when we have failed, he invites us to come to him for restoration and for a fresh commission to come and to follow him. You see, I often wonder how Peter felt after this conversation with Jesus. Do you not think he felt a million times better than what he had before? Because now there was no barrier. There was no guilt or, or shame left. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? That's the question he poses to each one of us. Do we love him this morning? And as we profess that we do love Jesus, do we live out our lives for him, for his glory? And do we take up that commission as Peter clearly did for the rest of his life? Jesus commissioned to Peter, follow me. What about you this morning? Are you willing to follow Jesus, to put him first in your life, whatever that might cost, because you love him and you know that he loves you and has shown the ultimate sacrifice for you on the cross at Calvary?
So let's reflect on this story this morning. Reflect on the emotions that Peter was going through, seeing how Jesus reinstated Peter, and knowing for ourselves that we too are called to love Jesus and also to follow him. Shall we just join together once more in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this day. And as we think about this story, a lovely story in so many ways, we think of how guilty Peter must have been feeling, having denied Jesus. And yet we thank you in this story that Jesus is the one who takes the initiative, who takes Peter to one side, and who asks him, do you love me? We thank you that Jesus was probing the motivation of Peter's heart. And Lord God, that is a question that you ask us each and every day. Do we love you? Heavenly Father, if we're able to say yes, we pray that we would therefore follow you. And in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, we might serve you with all that we have no matter what that might cost us. We thank you, Lord God, that we can declare that we love you because we know that you have first loved us, that you sent Jesus into the world as a Savior of the world. If you didn't love, you would never have sent Jesus. But we thank you that because Jesus died, we can know forgiveness and freedom. And because he is risen, we can know life and joy. Heavenly Father, may we think about the motivations of our own hearts today. And may we be people who want to follow you with all that we have. So, loving Lord God, speak to us through your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.